everybody. Welcome back to the Song Capture Podcast. This is episode number four. My name is Chris Clayton. I'm excited to be here with you. If you're new to the podcast, a special welcome to you. If you've been hanging out with us for a little bit, welcome back. Uh, Regardless, we're glad you're here to hang out this episode. If you would, take a minute and head over to iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts and rate and review us. Uh, This helps us get the word out about the podcast. In addition, I encourage you to head over to mysongcapture.com. That's mysongcapture.com. Check out the demo packages that we offer. Uh, If you're a worship pastor or a songwriter who writes for the church, uh, our job is simply to help you put these songs into a tangible form. So head over there, check out some of the packages we have to offer for you, and we'd love to help you out. As a thank you, you can use the promo code TAKE10, T-A-K-E, the number 10, and we'll give you 10% off just for checking us out. On today's show, we have a legend, and I don't throw that term out loosely. He really is. We have Stu G in the house. Now, you may know Stu is the guitar player for the band Delirious, a band that changed the landscape of worship in the church. But Stu is a songwriter, an author, a filmmaker, and overall someone who just loves the church. Stu has written songs for Vertical Worship, Jesus Culture, Elevation Church, One Sonic Society, All Sons and Daughters, and we could keep talking about it. But today we talk about the song Majesty, written for Delirious with frontman Martin Smith. This song has an amazing story and an amazing journey. So let's jump in the conversation. Here is Stu G. Stu, thanks for joining us. I'm really glad to be here. Thanks, I'm so Chris. glad you took time out of uh, your schedule to do it. Um, I've, uh, if you, for those listening, um, Stu and I have a, um, a common passion, and that's golf. Oh, yeah. That's actually how we met, if you remember that, a few That's years right. ago. We yes. met on the golf course. So I don't know if you remember this or not, but um, our friend Sean Moffitt. Yes, okay, I who, do remember okay. this. So yeah. Sean, uh, for those that don't know, is an incredible mix engineer here in yeah. town. Fabulous guy all around. And so before I moved here, I was making trips out here to for writing sessions yeah. and um, to mix records most of the time with Sean. And I would stay at Sean's house, and we would mix. And so he called me the night before when when I came out for this particular record, and he said, uh, "Hey, um, do you mind if we uh, start mixing that record sometime that evening after you fly in?" He's, and I said, "That's fine. I'm there." So, and he goes, uh, "I, I, I want to go play golf." And I was like, <laughs> "Okay." He's like, "He's like, bring your shoes, and bring some balls, and some tees. I'll get you clubs, and we're gonna go play golf." And I said, "All right." And I said, "Who are we gonna play with?" And I forget the other guy's name because uh, he goes, do you know Stu G? And I said, well, I know of him. Yes. <laughs> so, so uh, and I remember rolling up and then we got put in a golf cart together and we, yeah. spent, we spent the day together. So oh, that was our amazing. kind of our introduction I, to I, each other. Yes. I'd kind of forgotten about that. But yeah, yeah I, I totally remember that. That's and, brilliant. And then I moved here and then we, our, our paths got put back together just yeah. through riding and um Integrity yeah, circles and all I that know. stuff. I so, know. And I bought a preamp off you, you while did you were buy still me a in preamp. Dallas. That's it? right. Yeah. That's right. Um I missed that free up. <laughs> you still have it, right? Yeah, I do, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thanks again for joining oh, it's great, us today. Yeah. Um, I'd love to know, as I often ask on the show, just kind of your journey. You've got um, a, a very decorated and um, detailed journey of music through delirious years and things mm. like that. But I'd love to just hear your story as a songwriter. Yeah. Um, and I know that's going to include the delirious time and, and yeah. even time today. But what kind of got you into songwriting? Yes, I mean my love for music first of all yeah. like um 
I tell this story a lot, but um, 1978, I heard the um, Queen Live Killers album for mm. the first time. And, and as soon as I heard the opening chords of that record, I, I wanted to be Brian May and, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and, and so uh, that started my journey. Um, you know, so I was kind of like, my first love was guitar playing. And then um, the, the songwriting thing really came when I started to get involved uh, in church. So my uh, wife and I, we, we, we were engaged to be married. We became Christians um, actually at a Fulkagi concert. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. That's great. And um, uh, I'm, I'm going to, you know, be fast on this yeah. story, but we, we, we ended up moving to London uh, to be part of a church and um, and to kind of you know explore uh, traveling with our pastor and and playing music and learning how to lead worship and getting discipled and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. you know and um, so during that time was when I started to kind of think about writing songs and um, and uh, so that 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 period of time finished and and then I was in a uh, uh, environment where I was a worship pastor um, with three congregations in the in the middle of England, and um, uh, during that time, uh, I, I was writing songs for church, you mm-hmm. know, for for our church and and the experiences that we had. And I wrote a song called uh, the Jubilee song. Yeah. Uh, we have called on you, Lord, and um, and that caught the attention of Noel Richards, who was a worship leader or he's a worship leader out of the UK Mm -hmm. um and that that through that experience that kind of connected me with the guys at Kingsway which is now Integrity Music you know back in the day um but yeah so I I, I'd started to write songs for church um and really at the time it wasn't um I wasn't thinking about songs would be sung outside of our environments it was like okay this is what we need to be singing about right now and so um so I'd try and write songs that sort of somehow expressed, mm-hmm. you know, the this, this, this stuff that we needed to say in our prayers and in our, right. in, and in our worship. So um, uh, during that time, I uh, met Noel Riches and I started to do some uh, dates with him and mm-hmm. play with him. And, um, and also during that time, I met a guy called Kevin Prosh, mm-hmm. Um who was over from America? He, he at the time, Kevin Prosh was like this sort of prophetic uh, worship leader uh, who was a brilliant musician, and he would come over and tour the UK. And one of those times, he asked me to play with him, and uh, uh, so I toured with him. The next tour he did, I actually drove the van um, <laughs> and and lugged his gear around because um, he wanted to use another guitar player, which was great. Uh, but I just wanted to be around yeah. that environment. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that's another story for another day. But um, so during that time, like um, I was fascinated by his process and um, and kind of the more sort of prophetic uh, uh, music and 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 songs that were uh, writing songs that were kind of you know, being the voice of God, but, or, or just urging people to move to a different place, you know, inspire mm-hmm. people to become different. And, uh, um, so that was all very inspiring. And so during that time, uh, I met, uh, Martin and Tim, uh, so Martin Smith mm-hmm. and Tim, and they were, you know, at a church on the South coast of England and starting to, uh, do these youth events. And Martin was writing the songs, 
that that they would sing at these youth events, youth worship events. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, so I was kind of in the Midlands of writing songs um, uh, for our church and then playing out with these different people. And, um, and we connected, Martin and Tim and I connected, and uh, they invited me down to uh, a Cutting Edge event. Mm-hmm. Um, and all that to say is that the songs that I was writing in church um, and that I'd started to write, one was called Awaken the Dawn, yeah. which ended up being on a Delirious mm-hmm. album. One was called um, God, You're My God, which ended up being on Glow as yeah. well. Um, Come Like You Promise, uh, which was on Live and in the Can. Yeah. Um, so these were songs that I'd, I was kind of writing for our environment in uh, in, in in the Midlands in England. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I wasn't really aware of uh, – there wasn't a thought in me that was like, oh, the world needs to sing these songs or, or right. that there was any kind of thing outside of what I was doing. But and So when I went down to uh, the cutting edge stuff and then my wife and I, we we thought we have to be around this. This is There's something going on here. You know, uh, we just need to be a part of it. And so I, I left my job there, um, moved down to the South Coast uh, to be with Martin and Tim and, and the guys – in uh, uh, cutting edge and just be part of the church. There was no job. You know, I had like seven days worth of work Mm -hmm. and I had to go back to being an electrician, which is what I did when I first left school. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's what I did. But I wanted to be around an environment that was like, there was this passion and vision for God and uh, this, and Martin was writing all the songs for these events. um, And I was really happy just to kind of serve that, you know? Yeah. and um, it wasn't until we became delirious and we did, and we did live in the can um, that we started to kind of, you know, co-write or look at the songs sure. that I'd been writing up in uh, up up in the Midlands. So um, so that was my journey to start yeah. writing. Really, yeah. Um, it really was. Uh, I mean, I had bands in London. When I was in London, I, um, I was doing stuff outside of the church in, in some of the rock clubs and bars, right. and we did a mixture of covers and original songs, you yeah. know. But that was really me kind of cutting my teeth on uh, on 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 writing and, yeah. and sort of beginning. Yeah. Did you study music? Um, I studied guitar. Okay. So uh, I when I first started playing, I um, had a tutor, uh, just a personal tutor mm-hmm. in the town that I grew up in for – couple of years um and then <laughs> funny story about that is that he wanted to teach me it was kind of like a rock guitar thing but he was wanting me to learn how to read and stuff like that so we had this kind of classical sort of track that we were following yeah. and uh um but he would play to me what he would play for me what i was supposed to learn that week and um and then come back next week and read it, right? Yeah. Well, I would just remember what he played and practiced <laughs> so hard that um, so more by ear. Yeah, I was yeah. totally like by ear. I, yeah. I hated the reading thing, and uh, um, and he totally caught me out like that. <laughs> the following week, this one time, uh, he was turning the pages, and I was like playing this. Uh, um, it, it was the theme from the Deer Hunt. I don't remember that, uh-uh. uh, but um, there was a classical piece, okay. and uh, I was just doing it totally from memory. <laughs> so you weren't following I, the pages. I was playing it right. Yeah. 
But he was like, he, he thought something was up. And so he was turning the pages in the wrong place and like trying to catch me out. And of course, I just played it perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, um, and he was like, well, I don't think we can really do anymore. Yeah. yeah. So that was it. But then when I moved to London, um, I did a 10-week course at the, music- at the Guitar Institute of London. And um, that was amazing. Yeah. I, I, it was so amazing in terms of that. And that really actually helped my songwriting. Wow. Um, but just learning about split chords and mm-hmm. um, and and something that, that I've done for 30 years is really study the major scale. And I know that sounds weird, but like everything for me comes from the major scale, whether it's where we're, whether we're in minor keys or mm-hmm. dominant keys oh, yeah. or whatever, you know. So, um, uh, yeah, that's been something that uh, I still work on to this day. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great, I mean, just that you still work on it shows that we all need to be working on it. You can't oh ever, you can't get, I mean, we'd never really arrive as a musician on that. You right, constantly yeah. Constantly be working no, on and craft. as a player, you know, I, I was privileged enough and it was such an honour to be part of the delirious thing mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, to be doing that and the exploration of tones and the freedom we had to kind of, you know, create stuff and explore stuff. Um, but the, since I've been working with Michael W. Smith mm-hmm. and having to uh, put the work in on learning Dan Huff's mm. solos. Which I saw you posted on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Very well done, by the right. way. <laughs> Thank you. Um, uh, uh, it's a journey. It's con- continually a journey of learning and being a student and having that posture of like, well, I haven't got it all together. Mm-hmm. I just need to. I need to work every day on. If if I'm on tour with Michael W. Smith and we're doing placing this world and secret ambition every night, like I have to be practicing every day. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so in that sense, I would say. Uh, that I'm a better player now than I was when when Delirious finished, you know. Wow. But um, uh, yeah. you know, it's, it's yeah. So to your point, like yeah. we we never arrive. Yeah. I don't think. Yeah. You know, I I had the privilege of meeting um, Matthias Asato, who's a guitar player, and like um, I think that uh, he is probably the second most. Um, uh, influential guitar player on Instagram after John Mayer, right? Yeah, so, right. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, uh, and Tori Kelly was playing in Las Vegas and I was on tour with Michael. got invited to the show, went to see oh, the wow. show, hung out with Mateus and um, didn't know that he was a Delirious fan growing up. So that was like huh. a complete sort of, you know, honour. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, it was kind of humbling actually. But, you know, he is... He's like light years ahead. Like, I mean, he's probably like 20 or something. I don't know mm-hmm. how old he is, you know, but he's uh, light years ahead of where I could be, but it's still inspiring to me. It doesn't make me want to give up, right? you know, but it's kind of, uh, uh, I'll never be as good as him, but, um, you know, there are, there are things that I still need to learn and sure. practice. A little shot in the arm. A little shot in the arm, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, so on the songwriting journey still, yeah. um, so Delirious ended 2008? 2009. 2009. Okay. Yeah. So Delirious ended then. Um, what brought you to the States? Uh, so the last year of Delirious being on tour, we uh, knew that uh, it was going to finish. Yeah. And um, and so every time we were in America, um, I'd always been in love with America, to be honest. <laughs> but 
my experience of America, really, the, the America that I fell in love with was Southern California, oh, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, and I just thought the whole of America was like that when I first came. <laughs> don't, we, don't we wish it was? <laughs> in 96, you know, it's it's Hollywood and, right. you know, um, Don Henley and, you know, it's kind of... Um, yeah. And, and beaches and what have you and Disneyland, you right. know. <laughs> and uh, that was so... that. That was so attractive to me. And uh, anyway, so in that last year, you know, over the years of Delirious, we'd made great connections here in Nashville with um, Sparrow Records mm-hmm. and Capital and, you know, all, all the all the labels. And, you know, for a little while, we, we were flirting with Virgin here in America. And, you know, so um, uh, America was very kind to us in our career. And so that last year of being together with Delirious, whenever we came to America, I stayed on for a few more days and just explored like is this a place where there's a next step for me yeah you know i didn't want to hang my guitar up i didn't think that that i was done you know and and that was a hard time to be honest you Mm -hmm. know like the fact that it was going to finish there was a lot of grief involved for me and um and so um uh yeah so little by little i started to meet people and someone that reached out to me uh, that was significant in in the story is Jason Ingram, mm-hmm. and uh, so he reached out to me and introduced me to um, Holly Zabka, who was just starting Essential yeah. Worship Publishing, and uh, and um, uh, you know that that conversation went from uh, just sort of hanging out a little bit to starting One Sonic Society with Jason and Paul, mm-hmm. and and signing a publishing deal with Essential, well, that just meant that most of my work was starting to come from the States and, you know, my wife and I ended up and, and our family ended up moving over a year yeah. later in 2010. Wow. So that that's how it kind of started here. So songwriting with Delirious, it was a very different thing to songwriting as a job. <laughs> how, how, so explain that. Yeah. So, um, you know, with Delirious, it, we were a band yeah. and we were working – uh, on tour and touring a lot and playing shows. So um, what that would look like for Martin and I is that we would gather ideas and information throughout the year, you know, whether it was on voice memos or notepads or tape machines, whatever, you know, yeah. it was back then. Um, and then we would say uh, it normally happened around November time. We'd start to get together and um, – uh, and see what ideas we'd got. And, uh, you know, sometimes they were fully formed songs. Sometimes they were little bits. Um, and we'd just kind of, you know, play out what we had together and then just start working on songs together um, to to pull that in. So, like, we were kind of really focused on songwriting, you know, maybe a month or two a year. Yeah. Um, so that was very different. And, and we were writing for our thing. Right. Right, so uh, that was very focused and very, uh, you know, we knew what we wanted to. Well, we were experimenting a lot, but we knew what what would right. work, you know. So when it came to writing as a job here in uh, Nashville, it came as a real shock and a real surprise that you know um, it was kind of a novelty at first. Um, having someone organize your week mm-hmm. and having two songwriting sessions a day yeah. it was a little bit of a novelty but I soon got very burnt out <laughs> yeah oh yeah um, uh, because the well runs dry really fast yes you know unless you're filling it up somehow mm-hmm. right so um, you know you, you might have 
you know, six song ideas um, and they disappear in like, you know, three days. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> you know? It's so true. Um, and so, you know, also the idea of going into a room uh, with perhaps a title, you know, or, yeah. or a concept. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then three hours later, leaving with a song, mm-hmm. you know, okay, so perhaps you might need to be going backwards and forwards on it, but you've got the skeleton of a song that's mm-hmm. pretty fleshed out, you yeah. know. Uh, that's quite a that's quite an achievement. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> uh, I tell people all the time, even if that's all you have, that's okay. Yeah. Because you can go somewhere with it if you have the right people in the room who know how to take it yeah. from just concept or title idea. You know? Yeah. No, that's right. So, um, and I, I think actually that's one tip that I would say in any songwriting mm-hmm. seminar or, or 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 thing is is that um, just be filling up your notebook with those ideas, yeah. even if it's just that title yeah. or that line or yeah. that that scripture reference mm-hmm. or whatever it is or that melody. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, just keep filling those little things up. You don't have to feel like you've got verses and choruses you right. know, necessarily. Right. You know, you'll because what I've found is that you pull from that stuff in every session. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um so uh uh so I, I, I kind of found that um the this new season was really hard work, you know. Uh but one thing that I I learned through that process was the fact that um, that I learned about myself really was that I'm a better collaborator mm-hmm. than I am a uh, lone ranger. Yeah, um, which is kind of you know that's what we did in Delirious. Yeah, you know? and uh, um, and and that that I found that to be true here too. Yeah, you know, um, um, you know, you, you you might not be as good as the other people in the room, but um, you have something to bring for yeah. sure. Well, it's know? a that's a common theme on the show so far. Yeah. Is, is just everybody coming in saying how much they value the the collaboration, the community aspect of writing, coming yeah. together and playing playing into each other's strengths. Yeah. So, um, you know, if if I'm in a room with a great lyricist, it frees me up to focus more maybe on a track or on melody or. Um, I often call it quality control, making sure we're all just kind of sitting on the right thing. But if yeah. I'm also, but if I'm not in the room with a great melody person, maybe I have to um, with a great with a great lyric person, maybe I have to kind of lean in more for lyric. You know, yeah. but th- that's the beauty of the co-writing experience is ne- not one session's exactly the same from, yeah. day, from day to day. Yeah, that's good. So um, there's so much, we, and we've talked about this on the show already. There's so much value in sitting in the room with somebody else and writing. Absolutely, I think there's value in writing by yourself for those very ideas of just song starts and song ideas yeah. and just kind of gathering your thoughts. But I think it's proven time and time. And I mean, you can you can tell it more than I can. It's proven more and more of a song will always end up being better because yeah. of someone else's input into it alongside with you. Yeah, you know, and so. Um, yeah, we. I'm a big proponent of the co-write. So yeah, I can't remember the last time I wrote a song by myself completely. No, and I don't. Right. And I'm okay with that. Yeah, like, I'm okay with that. Um, well, speaking of co-writing, I know yeah. one of the songs that you've. I mean, you've written so many great songs too. And thank, thank you. you for the gifts of those to the Gosh. church. And um, in, even in post-delirious years of you know song, I think Vertical Church, and yeah. I mean just uh, the One Sonic Society stuff. And um, but I want to take us back to the delirious years with the song yeah. Majesty. Yeah. Um, I know we could dig wells, uh, dig dig forever, and hear some great stories behind some uh, great, some amazing songs through those years, but. 
Majesty, um, Selfishly for me, is one of my favorite songs that you guys ever put out. And I know that's very true for a lot of people within the church, and it's still being led today. Yeah. And um, so I'd love to just hear the story of kind of how that got birthed and how that all came about. And I know Mm -hmm. you and Martin wrote that together. Yeah. um, So take us through that journey a little bit. Yeah. So I can't remember which year it was, but um, we had uh, Delirious we we own our own record label mm-hmm. and our own distribution and and stuff like that, and so uh, we had this building on the south coast of England, and it had a warehouse, and in that in that warehouse we we stored our touring gear mm-hmm. and our and our equipment, and we had a little shipping department which kind of uh, you know shipped out boxes of CDs right. or whatever. Um, and in that space, so I didn't have a space at home that I could you know, work or recording. We didn't own a studio. That mm-hmm. was a thing that um, uh, that kind of marked our time is that we owned a lot of equipment, um, but we would, when we recorded an album, we would always hire a house or a place right. and, and kind of move gear in. Yeah. And, and, uh, and that way we had, you know, this, uh, well, that way we had different environments, different spaces, yeah. it sounded a bit different, different you know, inspiration. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, um, so, but that meant that uh, we didn't have like recording spaces or even a writing room, you know. So um, I had this little corner of the uh, of the warehouse um, that was just kind of curtained off, and um, I had a little desk in there, and uh, I'd get in there with my computer and my uh, and my amps with. Um, um, attenuators on, so yeah. so I, wasn't, I mean, I'm sure I was so annoying and so loud, you know, because it wasn't it wasn't very isolated right. to be sure. But um, yeah, and that's where I used to kind of pull together some of my ideas. Well, mm-hmm. um, I remember this one particular year, um, and this is going to sound crazy because it, it it shouldn't be true at all. Mm. But um, you know, I it, it really was the job of a lifetime, right? Um, but you are. Uh, in environments like that, in, in bands like that, uh, it, it's it's definitely a bubble. Mm-hmm. You know, you're kind of in your own little world, um, and there's there's some reasons for that. Like, you 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 need to protect what you have, and you know all that kind of stuff. But um, the other thing is that you can kind of become a little bit dissatisfied with what you're doing. Like, mm-hmm. there's a whole big world out there, and I want to be doing more or something like that. Right. And it's a crazy thing, but it's just the way some people are, you know. And so I kind of spent a little time sort of being a little bit down on myself mm. or or just feeling like um, it's, it, it, I shouldn't, I, you know, <laughs> it's hard to even say, but, you know, I, I didn't feel very fulfilled for, for a period of time. Yeah. And, and, uh, and um, I mean, I suppose it's a bit like uh, people saying, um, you know, you can want all the money in the world, but it doesn't make you happy. Or, or right. you can want the best job in the world, but it doesn't make you know. It's that sort of thing. But um, anyway, so uh, but it it just like the whole sort of thing just didn't sit right with me. So I got in my writing room one day, and you know, I was experiencing a little bit of like lack of inspiration and lack of you know stuff, uh, writer's block or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I just started to pray actually, and I was like, I. Like this needs to change. Like I need to change, you know, and uh, uh, my attitude needs to change. And um, I was very much thinking about the old hymn, "Just as I am, without one yeah, plea." Yeah. Um, in which uh, in the church that I grew up in as a kid, 
that was a very common kind of baptism song, yep, right? Same, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, uh, and so uh, I was very aware of that song that day for some reason, and you know, and I was kind of just sort of praying and thinking to myself, and very much with my eyes shut, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. like um, uh, I really want this to be different, you know, and uh, but I come and and. Uh, and I'm just as I am, like with all my struggles or all my dirt and rubbish, you know, it's like, here I am, you know? And, um, uh, and, you know, I, I, when we became Christians, we kind of like dove headlong into the sort of charismatic renewal Mm -hmm. sort of house church type movement that was going on in the UK. So very much vineyard sort Mm -hmm. of inspired and stuff like that. And so I was just, aware of uh um at that moment i was aware of god's presence and um uh and it was kind of like a real sort of like holy moment for me uh one where i then opened my eyes yeah and uh because it just felt like really royal and um like the presence of a king or something Mm. right um and i know that's kind of cheesy biblical language but like that that was a real experience for me at the time yeah and um, um, and you know, I was aware that Jack Hayford had written a song called Majesty years yeah, ago, yeah. and I wasn't right. even thinking about writing a song. Right. But I was just kind of thinking of the word Majesty, mm-hmm. like here I am, Majesty. You know, like mm-hmm. uh, there's nothing else I can do but yeah. like respond like this, you right. know, with with open hands and um, and you know, the the being shown that kind of grace and mercy because I felt so. Um, helpless and and kind of dirty almost, but um, you know, God still visited me mm-hmm. in, in that room, and so that was the beginning of that song. And um, but again, I was not thinking about a song to be sung. Um, I, I thought it was just for me, but I I just started to sing a little bit, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, here I am, humbled by your majesty. Like that just came out straight away. I was messing around with the chord sequence and um, um, <laughs> covered by your grace so free. I mean, you know, all those rhymes and everything is right. a little bit cheesy, but like, I really meant it, you know. And, uh, um, and you know, so I, I was kind of playing around with that for a while and really I was just praying it. Yeah. You know, I was just sort of praying my thoughts and my responses and um, and I was just doing it with music, you know. And uh, but I I kind of remembered it, you know. I wrote the words down. I was like playing around with the um, with with melodies and um, but I was just having a devotion time, you yeah. know. I was just having this sort of time where I was coming to Jesus and getting cleaned up, you know. Sure. And uh, um, and. Uh, I, I kind of took it away and worked on it a bit myself, and um, and and then I shared it at our church. Um, we had a, a church called Aaron Community Church on the south coast, and I remember, you know, getting up one day and kind of sharing it just as a. I don't think I told the story. I just shared it as a new song, you yeah. know, or 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 as my response to a moment, you know, and um, uh, still not really thinking that. It was going to be a, a delirious song, right? You know, or a song to be sung by anyone else. I thought it was my song to sing. You yeah. Know? And then uh, Martin 
sort of spoke to me after that, and he was like, "I really like that." Stuart, so like he was the, there that he was there that okay. morning, yeah. yeah. And, he, and he he said, "I really like that. I'd love to, you know, let's sit down together and work on that. I think we can, wow. you know, do something with this." And um, and so this is like where the collaboration stuff comes in. So like you have your uh, the way that that you express it, or you know, and and like I said, I wasn't expecting it to be ever to be outside of me singing it, right? right. But um, uh, but you have like a way of doing things in your head or whatever, and 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 you sort of bring that out. But then Martin was like, you know, so the the chorus, um, like the melody of it was uh, Majesty. Majesty. That's when I would repeat yeah. that thing, and um, and it was kind of a little bit wordy and a little bit sort of complicated, and and so Martin immediately went for the chorus yeah. and just kind of said, you know, I think you, that that Majesty line's really strong. Let's repeat that. And then, majesty, Majesty, and then I was like talking to him about um, my ideas or, or my my feelings and thoughts what was coming out from the inside of me, which is, you know, it's very much a grey song. It was this just as I am without one plea idea. Yeah, and I yeah. was saying to him, what would that look like if we um, wrote another just as I am without one plea? What would that be for us? You know, and I, right. I, and I would say things like, you know, I, I like I come with open hands and like, I feel like the little drummer boy really, like I, uh, I don't yeah. know what to bring. I've got. I feel like I've got nothing to bring, but I just come with open hands, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, and and Martin kind of, you know, filtered that out into um, your gracious family, just as I am, empty-handed yeah. but alive in your hands, yeah. you know. That so that that was his. That's great. His wow. idea. Yeah. And then, um, uh, and then the idea of transformation from this moment of uh, of just honest kind of. Um, um, feeling of lack or self uh, lack, lack of self esteem or whatever, but then this kind of, but you know we're not supposed to stay in those places. You know, right. like God is constantly f- drawing us and and on our side, and uh, you know, so this idea of um, uh, uh, forever, I'm changed by your love mm-hmm. in the presence of your Majesty. Yeah, you know, um, and then so you had that kind of Majesty hook thing happening at the front and at the end yeah. you know and so um and i think that kind of stuff is very natural to martin it's not like a formula that he has learned or made up i mm-hmm. think it's um that was something that i was always um in awe of was his ability to you know write these singable choruses that, yeah. that really caught the imagination of people and, yeah. and so and still to this day does yeah. you know and uh, uh and then we kind of yeah, so we, we kind of worked on the chorus to a point that it it became what it is today. Um, and then we just kind of worked on the uh, on the verses a little bit. You know, they were pretty much written. Um, yeah. um, and, you know, I realised that I broke rules with, like, the, the fact that it's more than an octave range in the song. You know, <laughs> now I've found the greatest love of all is mine. Yeah. You know, but, like, I love those chords and yeah. Martin loved oh, them those, too, yeah, you know. Yeah. And, uh like it was a little bit classical, so that that classical stuff paid off a little paid bit, off. you know. Yeah.
Yeah, and, and I think that because we didn't, we were our own label, we didn't have an A&R man um, other than each other and Tony, our manager, mm-hmm. you know, and um, that, you know, at times I think that we could have used someone, but also there were times like this where it's like, actually the, the song is good like that. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, so here I am, humbled by your majesty, covered by your grace so free. Here I am, knowing I'm a sinful man, covered by the blood of the lamb. So, again, like super religious language, but it was just an honest yeah. kind of thing for me. And I realized that was gendered, you know, mm. uh, knowing I'm a sinful man. You know, like we would um, – uh, I, I probably wouldn't write that now. Yeah. Um, I'd find some way of uh, – of of using less sort of religious language probably. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, at the time that was just an honest reaction. And sure. I think that people had grace for the fact that, you know, um, the Bible uses words like son of man and, you know, which kind right. of means mankind, you right. know. And yeah. so, you yeah. know, uh, that, that kind of thing. I know that some churches have kind of changed that. Hmm. Um, Does uh, that bother you? No. Okay. No, I just feel like... Um, uh, if it's still being helpful sure. to sing that song, yeah, um, I'm totally fine with that. Yeah, you know, uh, I can't remember how, how some people have changed it. Knowing I'm a sinful one, covered by the blood of the Son, or something like yeah. that. Yeah, okay, yeah, uh, um, and that's great. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So, song's done. You guys write it. Um, how? When did y'all know this was going to go on a record? For delirious, I think once I'd sat with Martin and we we kind of collaborated on it and, and got it in space, and then and typically what we'd do is that we would kind of create what I would now call a work tape. Yeah, I, I didn't I, I didn't know what it was at the time, right. but you know we'd kind of rough work tape and then kind of demo it out a little bit with the guys. Uh-huh. And I think as soon as we as soon as we finished this or had it in a form that was like pretty much what it is now. I think we knew we needed to record it. Yeah. Um, and that album, it came on what album? World Service. Okay. So, uh, I mean, I've got so many favorite albums. Oh, like, yeah. You know, but that that was a really special album yeah. to make. We had a brilliant producer, Julian Kindred, mm-hmm. um, and that was the first one that we had Sam Gibson mix. Gotcha. Um, and uh, so, but Julian was amazing in that in that process of recording that album and. Uh, I think that, um, uh, you know, from the early days, something we never did was separate out, you know, we never called something rock and roll and something worship. Yeah. Like it was, it was all one thing, right? Well, when it came to um, um, Glow, we decided that we would make a worship album, uh-huh. right? And we'd never done that before. And so Glow was kind of like a worship album. Right. And then this song, uh, an album called Audio Lesson Over, uh, which was called Touch in America. Okay. Um, uh, that was like a more of an artist sort of radio, you know, album. Yeah. And um, so I'm not saying that that was a wrong thing, but that was the first time we ever kind of divided the thing up, yeah. you know, and said, okay, so this is worship. This yeah. is uh, this is our artist thing. Yeah. And um, – so, you know, you do what you do at the time. And I'm not saying that was wrong, but um, uh, World Service was a returning to the fact that it was all one thing. Yeah. And 
So we had songs like Grace Like a River mm-hmm. and uh, Inside Outside, yeah. you know, which became a, that was a number two radio hit in Germany. Wow. Um, and, uh, um, and then you had songs like Majesty and, you know, on there. So it was, it was all one thing. And, and I have to say that, that I was never more at home than when it was all one thing. Hmm. You know, I felt divided otherwise. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, the, the theology on that is that, you know, there's no, uh, the idea that there's no secular molecule in the universe. Right. You know, right. if there, if there, if there wasn't a, uh, <laughs> you a, know, yeah, if, if God wasn't there, there would be no there. Right. That's good. You know, that's good. So, um, so, and we can get into all kinds of different arguments about that in terms yeah. of, you know, but companies need boxes to put people in and genres to, you right. know, and that's, that's, that's true. And how do you market everything? That's totally true. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I think the heart issue is that, that, that everything I do is worship. Sure. You know, absolutely. So. Um, is any specific story that you've ever gotten back to you from the song Majesty of how it impacted a church or an individual come to mind? Um, I'm sure there are many, many yeah. stories I've, I've had. I, I, I've found I find it hard to think of one specific thing. Sure. Um, other than that song, just kind of went out into the church and and gave people some language. Mm-hmm. I think, and I don't know if it's just that like, it gave people language for the kind of things that I was sort of going through, but I think that it was definitely a grace song for us, yeah. you know, and uh, um, one that. Um, helped people experience um, grace and mercy uh, when perhaps we're just kind of, uh, you know, going along, doing our thing forever mm-hmm, and ever, and mm-hmm. then you kind of have, you sing this at church and it's all of a sudden like this big deep breath of grace and mercy yeah. and everything's going to be okay. That's awesome. That's yeah. great. So you've got your hands in a lot of different things. Yeah. I, I thought about it the other day, like, You've um, you've got your own pedal with JHS, yeah, <laughs> the Kilt, which yeah. is a fantastic pedal, by Thank the you. way. Um, you've recently uh, partnered with our friend HW yeah. over at Tone Junkie and yes. got some packs coming out for the Kemper. Yes, which if you don't know what the Kemper is, it's how would you describe the Kemper? I mean, you, you um, use it, but well, uh, it's, you... I mean, the title is it's Kemper profiling yeah. amp. So basically, it's an amplifier that uses digital technology to uh, not model, but actually profile your favorite amps. Right. So um, it kind of uses, you know, white noise and all kinds of wizardry mm-hmm. to... Uh, <laughs> it does. <laughs> to, so, yeah. to feel like you're, uh, you're plugging into your favorite amp. Yeah. And so... Uh, I've profiled my favorite amps that I brought over from the UK, as you know very well, because yeah. they were sitting in your studio for like <laughs> was, two months. They were great story <laughs> conversation pieces for people. So, <laughs> uh, uh, but um, yeah, we, so that's that. And then we've gone into the modeling space a little bit with the Helix as yeah. well. For so you know, basically, guitar amps are very loud. Mm-hmm. Um, to get a good tone, you have to run them pretty hot, you know, and um, uh, and so, especially in church environment, it's not really usable to have your loud guitar amp on the at the front of a church, yeah, right? right? It's yeah. going to be louder than anything else, mm-hmm. other than possibly the drums, well, which, sure. uh, which is another conversation. Yeah. But um, <laughs> uh, uh, so you know the the. The thing for years has been that you take your amp and you put it out thirty feet away in the back mm-hmm. of a, a, a in a hallway somewhere. Sometimes you put it in a box and then you wonder why it sounds boxy. Right, <laughs> exactly because it's in a box. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, and so what this does is 
you know, it, for some people who are purists, it might never mm-hmm. achieve that same feeling uh, as a guitar amp. But front of house engineers, monitor engineers, the the congregation will love you yeah. for using um, a Helix or a Kemba yeah. um, just because it sounds amazing. Uh, but you don't have all those other issues. Yeah. The other thing with it is that you are recording it through a brilliant uh, microphone mm-hmm. and amp uh, and, and pre preamp mm-hmm. that um, you know you would never be using in a live situation. Exactly. And yeah. so um, you're getting like studio quality uh, guitar sounds from a little box. I know yeah. that was a long explanation. No, I get it. No, that's good because they, they may not know, but all that to say, you've got some signature profile packs yes. that have come out through Tone Junkie. Yes, so and I'm loving doing that. We'll We've got a, lots more coming. We'll put a link to all those um, in the yeah. show notes for you. Um, Thank you. And then what I really kind of wanted you to just highlight briefly was just the Beatitudes Project. Yeah. That, um, so Stu is not only a songwriter and musician, but now he's an author. Yes. He's um, uh, a curriculum writer, if you will, yeah. for small groups <laughs> yeah. and a filmmaker. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> so we can just keep adding the hats to your no. head. Um, <laughs> but um, I've was uh, the album's out that yes. came out, what, about a year ago or so? Yeah. Okay. Um, my wife and I got to sing That's gang right. vocals on it, which yes. was really fun. Which you'll see yourselves on the film. Oh, very cool. It. Yeah. Um, great songs, a lot of great collaborations. Amy yeah. Grant, um, yes. John Mark McMillan, yep. Propaganda, Hillsong United. Amanda so, Cook. Yeah. Um, a lot of great. So I encourage you guys to go check the, the record out. Um, the book is out as well. Yes. And then, so now you're focusing, and we were talking about this before we hit yeah. the red this morning, um, on the film and yeah. the small group curriculum. So just kind of maybe highlight the yeah. overall project and then yeah. just kind of what's coming up. Yeah. So it's called the Beatitudes Project. Um, it's a it's like a modern day lens on the themes in the Beatitudes uh, with the, the point being to somehow encourage people to live differently through the lens of the Beatitudes. Um, you know, our world is so uh, broken in some ways. We're so polarized, so divided. And what the Beatitudes offer us is this kind of ancient wisdom that heals those divides. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, uh, it's a it's a book and album and a film. Uh, basically, we're using stories of of people who embody something of the Beatitudes to inspire us. Um, and from those stories, we wrote songs, like you mentioned. And uh, that's all in the film. And uh, we've got a companion uh, study guide for small groups or individuals or churches. Uh, that is going to be coming out in about a month's time. And yeah. it's something that is a life work for me. You know, I'm, I'm extremely proud of it. I thought that it might be a delirious project at one time because uh, I started to think about it about 20 yeah. years ago. Wow. Uh, but I'm kind of glad it's not because the, the the transition time of delirious finishing and into what I'm doing now was very informative to me. You know, I, I th- there were times that I felt at the end of my rope um, – and uh, and uh, I realized that at the bottom of life, the the blessing is that God is on your side. Yeah. And so uh, that was really what kicked off the ideas for the Beatitudes Project. And so it's kind of looking at the most famous sermon in history mm-hmm. and saying, does it still apply today? Yeah, that's great. Well, I encourage everybody out there to go check out the the website just to learn more about everything in there. It's a Beatitudes Project. Is it BeatitudesProject.com? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. And um, to check that out, the book is out, the album's out. Be looking for the film and all that. Um, Stu, thank you for all that you've done for the worship community thank you over so the much. years. Um, 
I'm honored to know you and call yeah. you a friend. And uh, just want to say thanks for the songs that you've written. Thanks for inspiring a, a lot of guitar players and musicians in the world, in the church world, to, to just get better at their craft and to um, press into their talent for the kingdom. And Thank so you, yeah. um, you are um, still an, an amazing inspiration to so many people in the, oh. in Nashville and, and worldwide. So thank you for all that you're doing. And I'm excited about the Beatitudes Project and all that God is kind of smiling down on that in the, the days to come. So and thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Chris. I really appreciate it. And uh, just want to encourage everyone that, that you never feel like you've ever arrived and just no. to keep going yeah. and be faithful. Well, thanks, Stu, for joining us. Thank you. See ya. All right. Thanks again for joining us for episode number four with our friend Stu G. A special thanks to Stu for coming out and sharing that amazing story uh, behind the song Majesty. I encourage you guys to go find that song today and listen to it knowing that you know the story behind the song now. Perspective will change on everything now that you know the story behind the song. Also go check out the Beatitudes Project, a project that is super dear to Stu's heart. I encourage you to get the book, get the project, um, look for the small group curriculum that's coming out in the film. So many great things coming out of that. So I encourage you to dive into that. Also check out mysongcapture.com for our demo packages and save 10% with the promo code TAKE10, T-A-K-E, the number 10. And we'd love to help you out with that. Until next time, have a fantastic week. Keep writing songs for the kingdom. We'll see you soon.